Hey Ravens, it's your editor once again, Puppet Master N, and I wanted to let you know that this podcast was actually recorded back in January. We had the opportunity to sit down with Fabri, who is a wonderful sound designer, and we had a great time with him on this podcast. In the following weeks, we should be releasing our content a little more consistently. I wanted to thank you once again for being so patient with us as uh, we've navigated 2022. All right, without further ado, here is the Game Raven Review Podcast, episode 51. Welcome to the Game Raven Review Podcast. I am your host, Sam, and as I am every week, I am joined by some very talented individuals as we discuss the world of indie games. This week's podcast is going to be about sound design, and this week we have a very special guest who is a composer and sound designer, Fabri. Fabri, thank you for joining us, and how are you doing today? Doing great. Having a lot of fun already. (laughs) Glad to hear that. And with us as well would be Taz. Taz, how are you? Hey, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm here. I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. Glad to have you here, Taz. And we also have Puppet. Puppet, how are you? I'm good. Thank you all for joining me this week. And if you are new here, let me tell you a little bit about Puppet and Taz. Taz is our Twitch lead, the man with all the beanies. And we also have our Super Saiyan Blue leader, Puppet. She is our editor-in-chief, and yes, she can beat Goku. Agreed. Wait, which level of Super Saiyan is that? Oh, that's confusing. Um, Super Saiyan Blue. <laughs> Blue? <laughs> yeah. Super Saiyan Blue is a Super Saiyan version of Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan. Ah, yes. Okay, that's what I was wondering. That That's red hair. So whenever you want to go red hair, you go Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan, because that's how names are. Thank you. Thank you. Dragon Ball. And then Super Saiyan Blue was literally like in the movie just said to make it uncomplicated, we're just going to call it Super Saiyan Blue. Like that's literally the line. Yeah. That to make it less complicated of Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan Super Saiyan Blue. Yeah. That makes it a lot easier versus having to say Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan all the time because that's mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. again love anime. Anime is the best and the silliest. <laughs> oh, okay. <man. laughs> We digress. <laughs> yes. So thank you all for joining me this week. And we'll be right back to what we've been playing. See you on the other side. Who they dance to? <laughs> Everybody's dancing. Aubrey's <laughs> like, wait, what? what's happening? <laughs> okay. Yeah, sudden dance break. And welcome back to the Game Raven Review Podcast with our segment, What We've Been Playing, when we discuss about what we've been playing for the last week or so. And Fabric, what have you been playing? I'm more like a retro gamer, so I tend to play lots of, like, pick one console and go through the library. Um, I was playing the, the Turbo Graphics this week. 
<laughs> well, that's too old for you. <laughs> I know Turbo Graphics. <laughs> I I am here for that. Uh, besides that, um, played some East Eight again because there are some updates that, and you can now play co-op. Not sure if you guys know the East franchise. Uh, it's a JRPG. Uh, it's actually written YS, so a lot of people say Ys. And besides that, Overwatch and Koi Koi Japan, which is a Hanafuda game that I like to play just to pass time. I think I've seen. You know, is it Ys? Is that how you say it? It's that's the way you write the name. It's Ys, but you say East. This looks familiar, like the art I'm looking at here looks familiar, but I can't place it. It looks cool, though. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's really nice. One of these days, I'm going to get a Switch. Oh, yay, there's a girl with blue hair. <laughs> On brand. Perfect. <laughs> On brand. Oh, uh, yeah. That's Dana. <laughs> Sweet. I always like finding people I can cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a nice one. <laughs> All right. Um, And Taz, Taz, what have you been playing? Ooh, I've been playing a game that I talked about a while back on my summer preview way back when. Uh, I've been playing Tribes of Midgard. I streamed that on the Game Review channel on uh, Monday night um, solo. And then this last week, I played it with uh, with my boys. And it was a good time. It was a good freaking time. Um, Playing the game was a lot different than what I had expected, not in a bad way at all. So the game is up to, you can play it all by yourself. There is a solo mode or there is uh, a, a kind of matchmaking co-op mode um, for up to 10 people, um, up to 10 players. Um, essentially, it's kind of like, it's like a bunch of genres blended together because you got some um, like crafting, you got a little bit of survival Actually, I wouldn't even. Yeah, I, I guess you have to have some survival, but there's also kind of like a MOBA aspect. You got some Dota and like League going on because at night, um, I mean, you already have an, encamp- an encampment. You already have a village, right? But they, you're already like you're already dead. You're already dead. So this is like you venturing off to help the lands, like uh, after you go to Valhalla, because um, you, you've you've earned the right to drink with the warriors and 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 fight like with with them as well um so that's where like the roguelite element comes in because when you die you're not like dead dead you just go back to the lobby you know you uh you claim all the challenges you you've done you've completed um which then can advance like how quickly you can start like how quickly you progress your next round your next match uh do not get attached to your world because you will lose or if you defeat a Jotun, the Bifrost, like, I'm, I'm, I know I'm saying a bunch of things right now that do not make <laughs> sense to those of you who have not played it. I'm just trying to, like, like it's that's literally, like, how it is. Like, like it gives you the tutorial, and you're like, okay, cool, easy. And then you start playing the game, you're like, oh, crap, there's a lot more to this than I had thought, which is great. Love that. Um, so we, I've been playing it with uh, some friends of mine, and we just love it. We were just, like... When you know when we're we're all prepped, we're communicating, we're all like talking, we're you know what to what to farm and whatnot. And then when a Jotun comes, a giant freaking monster thing has like a hit points of like over a hundred thousand, and we're just like slashing on it. It's quiet. It's freaking quiet. It's silence because we're so just like into it. Uh, 
And then we we we, we defeat it, we win, we move on, we keep going, days go by, or we can choose to dip out and claim our rewards. Um, but uh, which and you know there is a shop feature and there's some microtransactions, but it's not play to win. Those are purely cosmetic. Um, but there are some things that can help you start your next game better. But those are easily earned. You cannot pay for those types of things. Those you have to earn. Um, so there was a little confliction of when I saw uh, when I see a shop menu and like the main part of the portion of the game, I'm like, hmm, sus. But no, it's purely cosmetic just for looks, not not pay to win. So that's been a good time. It is on Steam and PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. So if you have any of the means, highly recommend. So is there a not, not crafting, I guess, because I'm watching like a little review here on, on the interwebs. Mm hmm. It is like they're like building as they're going, like like a little bridge and things. Yeah, so there's like a little bit of Fortnite aspect to it. You can like build ramps to kind of get up platforms or like build walls because you can like plant these things for either uh, traversing the environment or you can like throw up things to kind of help block and barricade your village a little bit more by building like ramps and traps and things like that to keep the baddies out. When you're playing this kind of game, do you find time to play other stuff as well? Or it just drains your life slowly? <laughs> I'm always playing games. Like, I have to be playing a game or else I'm going to explode. So, mm. you know, I'm at work. I get paid to just watch anime. Not that that's my job. But it's just like I, I make the time to do it. <laughs> and then when I'm at home, I just like, it's like I'm just at my computer playing Tribes of Midgard or when I'm hanging well, with uh, Puppet, I'm like playing Paper Mario. That's also what I'm playing. I'm also playing Paper Mario because the N64 emulator on the Switch uh, just came out with Paper Mario, as well as Banjo-Kazooie. I need to grab that, too. But yeah, yeah. so I have to be playing a game all the time. And Puppet, what have you been playing? I just want to talk about Super Smash Brothers for a minute. I'm very proud of myself because I got like seven KOs like a couple times and that never happens like I never win because the people I play with are better than I am I won't say good because I don't know <laughs> what the like. call them try hard they're try hard just try yeah. <laughs> um uh and so I've been um I, my main is Zelda and I've been trying to like perfect um her long range attacks and her close range um because she like primarily I'm the person on the side of the screen that is like avoiding everybody else until they all kind of kill each other and then i'm there and i just like you know send in my din's fire here and there to get some ko's while <laughs> hiding but i've been trying to like get better with her close range attacks and stuff um because apparently i think i'm gonna go pro um <laughs> not gonna happen but anyway um we have a friend who is very good at the game and um he plays uh king k rule and like no one can beat him and it's terrible so i've been just like training <laughs> so I've, been be i've beaten him. him i've beaten him many That's times i mean we have like a we have I a tally going on times i mean yeah one v one him many times we've played that game <laughs> Like for three hours playing King like King K Rule and Sora for like three hours. Yeah. Just till like four in the morning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we play a lot of Smash uh in our house, apparently. Um, so anyway, the other night I was I was doing really well. Uh and I just wanted to bring that up. Super Smash Brothers. Um I have also been playing a wonderful little indie called Stardew Valley, if you've heard of it. 
Um, life is a little stressful right now. So I've been leaning into my cozy, like, uh, therapeutic games. Um, and so Stardew Valley has, uh, come back up for me. Um, yeah. And I, I was, uh, I was sick for a while, as you guys know, um, with the COVID, unfortunately. And I was so exhausted that I like couldn't do anything. And so Stardew Valley is a really great game to play when you're really sick because it makes you feel like you're accomplishing something when you're like not having to expend like uh, your physical energy. Mm. So um, highly recommend if you are finding yourself uh, exhausted and kind of overwhelmed and want to feel like you're kind of in control again or like you know accomplishing things um it's a great it's a great game for that i have a confession to make <laughs> about that just just to not lose the moment uh when i feel sick or something like that i like to play candy crush <laughs> nice. candy crush are you nice. seriously it's like a confession That's amazing. <laughs> but but yeah <laughs> yeah it's just it's just because you don't have to think a lot you just go there and Mm -hmm. play and relax yeah right yeah <laughs> you are probably the first like non-middle-aged lady i've ever met that doesn't that plays candy crush like most <laughs> maybe i am a middle-aged lady maybe I maybe am. you are on the inside you know we're all something <laughs> i think i'm a 12 year old boy on the inside so <laughs> it's fine so aside from Stardew Valley, um, I have play, uh, played another wonderful game that um, is called A Space for the Unbound. And the prologue uh, is available or their demo is available for free on, um, on Steam right now until the 24th, which is coming up here soon. So by the time this podcast comes out, it will be gone. I'm sorry. But um a Space for the Unbound, it's published by Togi Productions, and I hope that I'm saying that correctly. They also published Coffee Talk, which is a very cozy game that I brought up during our panel um, at PAX. And um, so this, this game, A Space for the Unbound, has beautiful pixel art, just like Coffee Talk, and is highly emotional. The story is really fascinating. It's set in... Um, the late 90s in um in indonesia and uh it also like it brings up a lot of uh themes of like mental health and dealing with anxiety and depression and loss and um grief um so it gets it gets pretty deep but it's also extremely cozy the music's very good um the atmosphere is really good um anytime a game has good rain sounds i'm totally in like i love my rain sounds <laughs> Um, yeah, so that is, uh, the other game I've been playing, um, aside from Super Smash Brothers and Sturdy Valley, and of course, Graveyard Keeper and all of the other millions of other games I play on the regular. <laughs> so for a space for the Unbound, is that like a meteor falling down? Is that a meteor? Yeah, so there is a comet that is coming toward Earth, mm. and I don't want to spoil anything but yes that is an element to it yes yeah looks interesting and just yeah oh. and the demo is just 20 minutes long oh. but it is a roller coaster of emotions and the end of it was very unexpected for me i just didn't i, I just didn't expect what happened to happen mm. <laughs> i'm trying to talk about it without like 
boiling, boiling things. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really recommend if you have an extra 20 minutes um, just to experience that. Um, I'm excited for the full game. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, it reminds me a bit of Omari, which is another uh, RPG that I've loved a lot. Um, and not in gameplay, but in story. Uh, and if you've played Omari and you'll play this, you'll understand what I'm saying. But anyway, there you go. Very nice. Very nice. Well, thank you all for, again, sharing what you've been playing. And we'll be right back with the question of the week. See you there. to the game raven review podcast with our question of the week every day in our discord we post a question if you'd like to join us in answering those questions please go to gameravenreview.com and a link to our discord will be right there for you so the question i pulled for this week is going to be what is the highest number of playthroughs that you've done for a single game as i think want to go to you first it's going to be up there between kingdom hearts 2 and fallout 3 uh because i think i've completed kingdom hearts 2 at least four times i think and then fallout 3 i think i've completed five times i think five times because of like how many it was like I did a good ending, a bad ending, and then I got the DLC expansion to continue the game. And then I did those because even those have options to do things. So, yeah, I want to say I did, completed it five times, Fallout 3. How'd you find that Sephiroth fight in Kingdom Hearts 2? That's, that's in Kingdom Hearts 2, right? Yeah, Kingdom Hearts 2. That fight was a pain in the freaking cheeks. But I think the Sephiroth fight for one is a lot more difficult. Uh, but then again, mostly because in I believe the final mix of all, or of King Hearts two, you don't need Sora or Goofy to transform into your uh, Kingdom Hearts one form, which is super duper powerful. So you can easily beat Sephiroth using that form. Um, Whereas there was no form changes or anything like that in the first game. And Donald Goofy are still no hope. I just hated that in Kingdom Hearts 2. You walk in with Donald Goofy, but there's no like story reason to why they aren't helping you fight. They kind of just like they saw the sword and they dipped or something because they're like, screw that noise. I'm not trying to fight no one winged angel with a, like a sword that's like three times my height. You know, they just, they just dipped. They just weenied out. But <laughs> I, I, did, I really enjoyed it. And especially like when you finally beat it, like cloud comes in and that's pretty cool tifa shows up very nice fabry what about you played a lot of street fighter when i was younger and i still play street fighter to this day like street fighter 2 and street fighter alpha 
Uh, but I think it's mostly retro games <laughs> that I play through lots of times, but I can't say how many times I beat it, those games, like Streets of Rage, Final Fight, um, the original Sonic game. Um, yeah, I think those are the the ones I played the most, like. All right. Pop it. Uh, I feel like I'm going to get some people who are mad at me for saying this, but I'm going to go with Pokemon because, like, every game is the same. <laughs> you got your eight gym badges, and then you got the Elite Four, and then somewhere in the mix, there's somebody upsetting a legendary Pokemon, and you go and catch it. It happens every game, so I'm going to count it as a playthrough <laughs> for each one. <laughs> um, I know, some people hate me for saying that. Um, <laughs> but aside from Pokemon, um, I probably... I don't know. Here's what I do. I, like, don't finish a game, and then I start it over many times. I don't know if this counts, but I've returned over and over to a couple games. Um, in that way, uh, and honestly, hmm. So, okay, for this question, I know I wrote this question, but I just want to clarify. <laughs> um, is this like you have to complete, like, beat the game, or like, what are we talking about here? I would say beat the game, but again, this is your question. If you no, I wrote the question, put, but <laughs> if you want to put modifiers to the question, that's fine. Okay, I guess you okay. can say the like the time you come back because even if you say you don't finish the game, you still come back to it and say I'm going to finish it this time, play it for a few hours, and then be like, well, yeah, I'm not going to do that again, and then you just keep coming back and back. So that that means it still count. That okay. will still count. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. So probably Stardew Valley actually. Um. I have so many farms that I've started and I probably completed just one, like gotten to the third year in just one of them. Um, yeah. And then animal crossing, I keep restarting my Island and stuff. Cause I get bored at some point and I just, I don't know. Can you finish animal crossing? I'm not even sure if you can. Um, yeah. And then there's a couple Zelda games where I just, tell myself I'm going to finish it like Skyward Sword. Oh my god. Um every turn back to that a couple times and then I'm like, "Wait, what's going on in the story? Let me restart." <laughs> <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. That that happens a lot to me when I stop playing an RPG like after like 20 hours and then I, I stop for a month and then I try to get back and I can't because I don't remember what happened before. So I need to restart the game. <laughs> I do that too. But like, but I think it's valid to 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 say like when you revisit a game, like I finished Link's Awakening and East Eight, which is the game I mentioned before, and I constantly go back just to play for a while, you know, just because it's satisfying mm -hmm. and I like those games, mm -hmm. you know, even if I'm not playing to to make a whole playthrough, it's just to to go there and play for a while. Right. Yeah. I feel like that with uh, Super Mario Galaxy or um, Super Mario 64. Um, I just enjoy getting the stars. And uh, yeah, I don't think. No, I have I have uh, beat both of those games at some point when I was much younger. But now as an adult, I'll play them for like maybe 10 hours and then I'll leave them 
and then come back and yeah maybe we should ask how many unfinished games do you have <laughs> oh, oh yikes no, no, no we would never get past it, it. you would need like five podcasts only talking about that yeah. <laughs> just on your steam unplayed games uh, yeah. but then you got epic you got your playstation you got everything oh, else that and backlogs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah backlogs up the yang mm. oh lord yeah but hey if you yes you listener and or watcher would like to answer questions like this please join our discord again at gameravenreview.com a link will be right there for you and we'll be right back with the main segment of the podcast see you there Podcast with our main segment about sound design and Fabry. It's the reason that you're here. You are a sound designer. So Fabry, let's start off with our first question for you: Is how did you get into sound design? I was invited by a friend who was making a visual novel to compose the soundtrack for her. Um, that that's basically the short answer. I was not a game composer. I actually come from a marketing background. I have a bachelor's degree in advertising and marketing. Uh, so any sort of music production I did in, before that was for TV commercials and short films, not video games. Um, and when she asked me to, to make the soundtrack for her game, I felt I had to to study and learn the medium to to understand how the productions for video games were different from film scoring and and this kind of stuff and that's how it started basically uh she ended up not publishing the game <laughs> it never went out um but I decided that was something I loved because I always loved video games since I was a a kid and I felt that that was the career I wanted to pursue. So basically that's how it started. Are you working on any projects currently? Yeah. Actually um Puppet Streamer, one of the games I'm working at a couple of weeks ago. I think it was last month actually, but time flies. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah I'm working on um Twilight Star Heart of Air which is a RPG that's heavily uh, inspired by the old PS1 JRPGs with more modern mechanics. And besides that, I, ha- I do some commissions, uh, I work for other smaller projects, and also I have partnerships with audio companies where I do like some beta testing for them and audio demos for the products as well. It's like kind of like endorsing thing. So yeah. <laughs> I have a quick question that kind of um, is off script a little bit, just because you were talking about how um, you made music for film. 
Um, I, I have a couple friends who, um, you know, work on uh, music for games and, um, it's, it's very different from anything I've seen because of how you need to be able to loop certain parts and to provide like certain elements to the developer. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get on to, um, what is most challenging for you later on, but I just wanted to, to slip in here and just ask you the difference because, uh. I know that there. I'm learning that there's a big difference. Okay. For film score, you have the scene, so you can compose for that scene and follow what's happening on screen, and base your composure on that. For games, the player can just stay idle for like ten minutes, and the music can change, right? But as soon as the player hit a button, you need to change the music. That's an operatical situation, but that can happen. So you need to be prepared for that when you are composing. And that's the most trick part, actually. It's not that different, but if you're just a film composer and you are trying to get into games, you need to be aware of a couple of details that are different, even including sound formats like MV3, uh, Wave, etc. There are lots of details that are different. Uh, I don't see them as much big of a deal as soon as you learn them and how to, to handle them. But if you come unprepared, you'll have problems. <laughs> That's what I think. I think the, I mean, to me, composing is like the fun time. You know, even if it's challenging, it's like fun challenging. So it's hard for me to say there was a project that was really hard to work on. I think for a composer, and especially a game composer, the hardest part, the most challenging thing, is the side work that you need to do to promote yourself, to um, make connections, to, you know, the, the thing that's not about the composition per se, but it's necessary to do in order to, I mean, you need to pay the bills <laughs> at the end of the month. so. Um, you need to, to learn how to get yourself out there and get noticed. And, and to me, that's the, the most tricky part. Just to mention one game where the dev was really going full experimental in the soundtrack. And he asked me to, to make something really, really weird. Um, but for example, you were mentioning different techniques like looping the track, etc. There is something called vertical composing that you compose, um, for example, one part with the bass lines and the, the percussion lines, and then you compose a violin section, let's say. And during the implementation phase, uh, you, you loop only the percussion and bass lines, but as soon as an enemy enters, you can add that violin section over the, the same track and create a new track, per se. But what he wanted me to do was <laughs> to um, split a really long track into micro-compositions. And they were all different, but they should play seamlessly among each other during a long period of time. So instead of making a five-minute track, he asked me to compose like several 15 seconds different tracks. Oh. That were different, but still sounded like the same thing, like part of the same thing. 
Interesting. So you had so he wanted to stitch it together in some kind of like polyphony. Yeah. Okay. It was interesting. It was weird. <laughs> I delivered, but yeah. he asked. <laughs> Can't say I like it. <laughs> the <end> result. <laughs> but but yeah. did he like it? Yeah, he did. Okay, that's what matters, right? <laughs> to some extent, yes. <laughs> it's interesting that your response was um that the most challenging part for you isn't the music per se, but it's it's everything around mm. that. It's getting your name out there. It's managing the financial part and marketing and so on. Um, how, like, if if you're able to take some of those uh, examples, and can you tell us how did you overcome those and what are some lessons that you learned along the way? Mm. Okay. I'm old, <laughs> and I started with video game composing uh, around my middle thirties, I think. Um, so I kind of knew how to 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 get myself there <laughs> because of my past, my previous experiences. Um, and I come from a ba uh, marketing background, so although it was challenging. I kind of knew what I had to do. Um, and to me, it's most about the connections you make. You know, it's not promoting in the sense of uh, advertising yourself as the best composer or the perfect composer for something. What I like to do is understand my clients, what they need, what will... Um, work best to bring their ideas to life not express myself fully <laughs> like because that's another thing you're a composer you are an artist right but if you think about the concept of art you're thinking about expression yourself expressing yourself through what you are creating but when you're composing for other people's game you're not expressing yourself. You're trying to bring the developer's ideas to life and giving your touch. And this is how I see things. And I think that's what has helped me the most. Mm. Yeah, I know a lot of creatives that that's probably the hardest part for them when it comes to commissions. Um, and actually, honestly, I, so I went to school for music and it's actually one of the reasons why I kind of left that uh, that part because it was work, you know, at that part, mm. uh, at that point. And I wanted to, you know, keep music as a fun thing for myself mm -hmm. and something that I can express myself fully. And yeah, there's some restrictions there. Um, and it's interesting to hear you say, or, or to mention those restrictions, um, in the work that you do, which is, is different than what I've experienced before. So, hmm, yeah. I'm not saying that you should like, um, the dev comes to you and say, hey, I want a John Williams soundtrack. Uh, if you want someone to emulate John Williams, <laughs> I'm not the best person to do that. I, I, can, I can understand what you want, like the specific parts you like on John Williams' work, and then try mm -hmm. to put something from me, like give a little touch there. Mm -hmm. But it's mm -hmm. not like full art, like an artist that is creating something from scratch to uh, express themselves. It's different. So it sounds like there's a lot of collaboration that you, that you do with uh, 
with the developer a lot more so than you would in film. Is that does that sound accurate? Mm, I think in that sense is very similar. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, even for films and advertising, there is an objective there that you need to to accomplish. It's not about expression. It's about delivering the message, right? I think it's similar in that sense. Cool. All right, Sam. I'll I'll be quiet now. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. So, Fabry, do you have a favorite project? And if so, what would that project be? That's a tricky one. Of course, I do have one, <laughs> but I don't want the other ones to sound less important <laughs> than they actually are. Um, but I, I would say, like, uh, each project is different. So I love them in different ways. But my work on Twilight Star is special to me because it opened lots of doors for me, like this podcast, for example. Um, and also because the team is so amazing and they honestly feel like family to me. And I think this is what makes it so special to me. So yeah, it's Twilight Star, Heart of Air by Dragon Claw Studios. Nice. Again, it's kind of like that favorite child kind of question for a parent. Like, no, I love all my children. I like you a little bit more than the others. Yeah. But I like you all in different ways. Maybe you a little bit more than the other one. It doesn't worry. Don't worry about that. No, it's fine. Don't tell your Don't tell your sister. Oh, no, no. I, I truly mean that because they're different. You know, I do not, I'm not like just a composer for RPGs. I compose for fighting games, adventure. Um, puzzle games and they are different they have different qualities and different challenges when you're composing so i really mean that but there is this other side on 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 my work on with dragon Claw studios that makes it more special to me yeah i do have to say i recently joined their discord in the last month or so and they have a wonderful community it is it is very supportive and open and I have met some really incredible people through that discord. Um, and, you know, I, I say this about every indie developer <laughs> that, you know, they're just wonder, it's a wonderful community in general, but uh, I think dragon claw has a very unique um, sense of community about them. Um, the relationships seem to be really strong and genuine. And uh, there's, you know, there's people at Dragon Claw that genuinely care about others and what they're doing, and it's it's just beautiful. I I really admire it. Yeah, they started as modders actually, really? not as developers. Yeah. Huh. They started creating mods for two games that I don't remember the names right now. I don't want to 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 say that incorrectly. Um, but I think that helped a lot for them to to have this sense of community. Because they were together before the, mm -hmm. the, the studio formation, yeah. Yeah, and with modding, you have to kind of listen to what people need or want. Um, hmm. That actually makes a lot more sense after playing um, Twilight Star. Uh, there's so much um, freedom as a player to adjust settings as you want them. To get to the last question as well of our podcast for this week, we have... Something I guess a lot of people can learn from. What advice 
about sign design would you give a indie developer who is making their very first game? Hire a composer. <laughs> no joke. Um, the thing is, I see lots of games with potential sounding bad. Because, one, the dev wants to make everything himself, and he has no clue on how to make music, and even worse, how to make music for games. And second, there are lots of beginner composers, people that are starting in this area, that need an opportunity to start. And they will not charge you a lot of money for that. They will probably not even charge anything because they need to build a portfolio. So if I have an advice to give <laughs> a developer like this is to look for a composer that is at the same level as you and try to go together, you know. And now it's the self-promoting part. I'm writing a book. <laughs> oh. Um, and it's called Game Audio for Solo Devs. Very cool. <laughs> Which I try to approach that matter. Because to me, that's, that's a serious problem. And uh, I started writing a book as... Because after participating on a game gen, I saw like a couple of uh, teams that didn't have a composer. And I asked one of the devs, why don't you have a composer? Because I saw lots of composers looking for teams. And one of the responses I got was, because I do not trust composers. I had problems with them in the past. What happened to me, I, I have participated on game jams before, and I had problems with coders, with artists, and um, game designers that didn't deliver in time. So to me, that's a specific person's problem, not a role problem. And I want to demystify those things. And if the developer does not want to bring someone in because he really wants to go full solo, uh, this book will give clues on how to start on game music and sound designing for games. Don't worry, this is not for now. I'll probably just release the book next year because I don't have much time to, to work on that right now. But I think the advice is still valid. Thank you so much, Fabric. And this is going to be the end part of our podcast and also live stream if you're watching live on twitch.tv. And I have been your host, Sam. You can find me on all social media under Sam Said It DFW. Fabric, where can they find you and follow you to you know get notified when that book comes out? Okay, um, you can get in touch with me on Twitter. I think it's the easier way. It's Fabry Sounds on Twitter. Uh, there you have the link for my website if you want to check my folio, check some of my work. But feel free to reach me there, send me a message, and let's become friends <laughs> and have a talk. I'm open to that. Stop it. Stop it. What are your social needs? My social meds. I am Puppet Master N. That's Puppet Master E N. And you can find me on uh, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, all the things under that name. 
Um, and I am streaming uh, five days a week now. So um, as I'm recovering and getting back from COVID, uh, I am uh, going to be more consistent. So that's great. Come see me. And Taz. Uh, yes, you can find me at TazTDevil3 on all the social meds. I do stream on the Game Review Twitch channel on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Tomorrow I'll be a little bit late because uh, they scheduled me at work. Lame. But I will be there about uh, 8 p.m. tomorrow night. I'll probably be doing some more Tribes of Midgard, either with the homies or by myself. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah. Thank you, Taz. And as always, you can find us on Twitter and Twitch at GameRavenReview and GameRavenReview.com. And also, if you like, you can join our Discord. Link is on GameRavenReview.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And have a fantastic week. And until next time, goodbye. Are you game?